0: coming up on chasing the natty it's never too early to start looking ahead to 2022 we got some big names dropping to even tonight in the transfer portal and then it's bowl season just around the corner and we're going to hit up some previews of the new year six games as well as some games that we find interesting all that and more coming right up
1: Goes to the end zone, oh what a catch, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. Watch out for Mr. Robinson, this kid is going to be special and is already flashing.
0: This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful time. As the season is kind of drawing to a close, we are officially in the postseason of college football 2021. Uh, Things have wound down. Conference championships are over. You guys will painfully remind me of that. Um, In addition, it is time to start turning the pages to next year, uh talking about a little bit of this postseason got a lot of stuff coming up for you guys that are very exciting uh in terms of some housekeeping notes first of all you guys always know if you're listening to this uh make sure you're following us on whatever platform that you're listening to whether that be spotify or apple Podcasts. if you're listening on apple Podcasts, always love those five star reviews or whatever review you really want to give us we always appreciate the honesty if you're watching this on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button notification bell and leave a comment down below i always love hearing from you guys and then always 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 if you want to hit me up and if you want to find me the best way to always reach me is on twitter i am at cff underscore jared and one more little housekeeping note uh the schedule that we have had during the season as best of as best as we've tried to keep to it uh, we did. We've been doing like the game previews on Tuesdays and then the weekly recaps we released that to you guys on Mondays. Uh, obviously, with the season coming to a close, uh, we're gonna be changing that format as we get here into the off season. And we will be moving back to just one show per week. And these topics are going to be a whole lot more varied. Obviously, during bowl season, we're going to be talking about those games. We'll be talking about different players and such. But also, we'll be talking about recaps from 2021. We'll be talking about stuff looking forward to 2022. Lots of great stuff coming up for you guys. But even so, we got a absolutely loaded show for you guys tonight. And really, there's really nobody better uh, in the CFF community for me to talk about all these different... Uh, topics with then tonight's guest, Mr. Nate Marquise. How
1: you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Jared. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. So, uh, Nate, why don't you tell everybody uh, how long you've been doing uh CFF, and uh, as well, just like what kind of stuff you work on. Like, what can people expect if, for some reason, they're they're following me but not following you? What what can they find that you produce?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I really uh, enjoy uh you asking me to come on here I've, I've obviously been following your stuff for um for as long as you guys have been doing this so it's pretty exciting to be on with you finally um yeah you can find me at cffnate on twitter um you know i'm, I'm somebody that's just kind of a, an independent voice in the cff industry i guess so to speak um love coming on podcasts uh just enjoy talking about it um on a twitter sphere and and uh, you know, I like to do a little bit of research and put out some some tweets every now and then that I think help uh, CFF owners as well as C 2 C owners. And trying to um, you know, this time of year, it's it's really about just kind of looking forward to 2022 and what's coming up from a from a dynasty perspective. And and as we move into the spring, and once signing day is all taken care of in February, I'll start moving on to uh, you know, tweeting about some incoming freshmen and that type of thing. So um you know just love talking college fantasy and and uh that's why i'm happy to be on right here tonight
0: yeah absolutely nate you're you're definitely one of the people that when i first like hopped onto the twitter space and started talking to people you were easily one of the people i gravitated to very early on you very much knew what you were talking about um and you kind of touched on it earlier or touched on it just now uh time to start really kind of looking towards uh, 2022 and there's really no better way to transition to our first segment for tonight where we're going to talk about you know just some thoughts on some early um on early first rounders that we could be looking at for the 22 or 2022 uh, season for college fantasy football and they you put out a tweet uh if I have time stamped this right you put it out on November 1st uh so it's about a month and a half ago but you were you were already thinking about this a little while ago and some of the guys that you kind of put out there as potential first rounders for next year are guys like Brennan Armstrong, Caleb Williams, Oklahoma, uh, Travion Henderson, Xavier Worthy at Texas, Tanner Mordecai, Bijan Robinson still there, Josh Downs, Calvin Austin III, Kayshawn Butte, Bryce Young, Malik Cunningham, and Sean Tucker. Um, so I just want to, like, what are your thoughts on those names now? as well as like, are there people you've taken off or are there people that maybe you want to add on to this, uh, add on to this list that you think people should be considering going forward?
1: Well, when I sent this tweet, um, I would have probably been pretty stoked if about half of them actually come true. Uh, (laughs) You know, when you're, when you're projecting from uh, November of one year until August of the next year, a lot is going to change. And I mean, nothing is is crazier than what's going on in in college football right now between the the transfer portal as well as the coaching carousel. I mean, I was listening to um, the podcast that you did with uh, CK uh, not too long ago. And I think I listened to it like maybe like four or five days after you posted it. And you guys did an amazing job. But it was crazy to hear just how much had already changed just in those handful of days uh so obviously a lot has changed uh in in the last six weeks uh since i sent that tweet out but yeah uh, um yeah i mean we can just kind of go through the list real quick on on some of the guys that i would definitely um you know think that are probably and this is not me saying this is who i would project as first round draft picks but looking at what i'm projecting the cff adp to be
0: okay Um, fair enough
1: so a little bit of difference between those two um obviously Austin, Calvin Austin, the third has moved on uh, yes. from Memphis, or he will be moving on from Memphis. So we can go ahead and just totally remove him altogether. Uh, some of the people that I think probably, I think would be questionable on this list anymore, just based off how things have kind of played out. Um, Josh Downs, um, just not a super strong finish to his season. There's going to be the quarterback change there at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Tucker, I, I just don't know if Syracuse has um, the consist- consistency in, in their offensive firepower to warrant spending that type of draft capital um, on a guy like Sean Tucker in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are the ones that really stand out. There's, there's coaching changes with a couple of these that I think are really going to play a role. Um, Tanner Mordecai, with Sonny Dykes moving on to TCU. Um, I, I know that Rhett Lashley has produced some really impressive fantasy numbers over his time, but at the same time, uh, there, there's a coaching change. There's going to be learning a new system. Mm-hmm. They don't quite have the same volume that Sonny Dykes normally produces. Uh, and then the one that also sticks out to me is uh, – I. I would have never guessed this a month ago, but here we are in the middle of the coaching carousel, Brennan Armstrong. Mm-hmm. The fact that Tony Elliott is going over there. I mean, Brennan Armstrong being in that Bronco Mindenhall system, the biggest thing or the most important thing when, when you're looking at college fantasy is beyond, beyond any of the analytics, any of the next level uh, stats you're looking at, it's really just comes down to volume. That's mm-hmm. what it boils down to. And Brennan Armstrong in a Bronco Hall system, and same thing we saw with uh, with Perkins before him. It's volume, volume, volume. I mean, he's going to throw the ball forty times a game. He's going to mm-hmm. run the ball win healthy ten to twelve times a game. I mean, you're just you're not going to get that type of volume in a Tony Elliott system. Nope. Um, and a part of that's probably because Clemson has played from you know uh, the lead most of the time. But I just I, I definitely question if if armstrong's one that would be worthy of a first round pick now
0: yeah i know i, I definitely when i was kind of thinking about this because when when you, you put this uh list out and like obviously i don't think you meant this to be like armstrong would be the 101 williams would be like the 102 and stuff like that um I, but like i did i was thinking like back then i was like yeah Brent armstrong comes back another year he's going to be one of these guys that's going to be a heavy consideration for a the 101 pick overall and mm-hmm. i asked this actually the other day uh, let's see if I can find this tweet, uh, meant to save it. And for some reason I didn't. Um, but I put out a tweet the other day where like, and I just had a feeling cause I was like, it doesn't feel like there's like an easy one Oh one this year. Like the past couple of years, you guys got guys like, uh, Chuba Hubbard was the one Oh one going in two years ago. This year is Malik Willis. Pretty much everybody was drafting him as the one Oh one. Maybe you got a guy drafting Brees Hall every once in a while. Um, but I, I figured I was like, this year doesn't feel like there's like a clear cut guy that everybody's going to be wanting next year, and I was right when I put out the tweet where I was like, hey, who's your 101 next year? I got I got answers from everybody, or I got answers of all different sorts of people, and like if I can do oh, wrong thing. There we go, and like some of the some of the names that you didn't list here, but I think deserve to be discussed here. Um, I list I list here. Oh my goodness, Jared, calm down. Try again. Here's some additional names that people are mentioning that I think are warrants of discussion. Uh, lots of running backs here. I think a lot of people are very excited about uh, Braylon Allen. Uh, obviously, he hadn't really caught fire during the time when you sent this tweet. I imagine that had he been doing what he was doing near the end of the year, uh, a guy who has solidified the backfield of Wisconsin obviously is going to be a huge, huge piece uh, in CFF going forward. Lou Nichols has been an absolute monster at Central Michigan, and if he doesn't transfer and he just sticks around for another year, obviously he's going to be somebody that people are going to be drafting very highly next year. Rasheen Ali kind of came out of nowhere really this year as a freshman in uh Marshall. People are gonna be looking at him. Deuce Vaughn, especially in PPR leagues, a lot of people Kind of questioning his inconsistency in his freshman year. He would boom some games, bust other games. This year, he's a lot more consistent for people, so I think a lot of people are willing to pay up for him next year. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, uh, really, this was kind of born out of the hype of him going to Ole Miss. Now we got word, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but we got word he might be going to UCLA now. Um, So maybe that's not quite first round. Uh, pedigree that we might be looking for there. Sam Hartman, who's been going off this uh, past year, I believe he finishes a QB4. Um, he's probably going to be in consideration for first round uh, consideration next year. And then Quinn Ewers, uh, just on hype alone, really. Uh, the idea that he might be starting in a different offense at Ohio State next year, I think, has a lot of people excited. What do you think about these names, Nate?
1: I am uh, in 100% agreement. If, if I had to modify the list now, um, Lou Nichols and Rasheen Ali would for sure be on there. Um, I think you can make a really strong argument for Sam Hartman. Should he decide to come back? I think he's going to be on there. He's still got some really nice weapons with AT Perry, mm-hmm. even if Roberson goes pro. And once again, that's a, a very volume system. So um, I would be okay with that. Um, Braylon Allen uh, definitely fits that, what we look for in CFF and mm-hmm. that, um, that proven system where he's going to get, uh, 25 carries a game, that type of thing. I, I, I wouldn't put him maybe on the same level as Lou Nichols and Rasheen Ali, but not, not very far behind. It becomes a case of, okay, so if we're putting these guys on, who are we taking away? You know, we only got 12 sure. spots in, in an average, um, you know, draft, a normal standard, uh, draft. So, um, you know, when it comes to somebody like Braylon Allen, if I'm looking at some of these other running backs, hundred percent, I would, I would take him over Sean Tucker at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, are you going to take him over Travion in that offense and how consistent, um, he's proven to be and how, I mean, he, he, he became the, you know, the lifeblood of what they were doing the uh, oh, yeah. second half of the season. I mean, you're going to take him over Bijan. I, I wouldn't, but, um, I can understand an argument mm-hmm. for him being in the first round, no doubt. Um some of the other the other guys as far as like Deuce Vaughn, um Hartman, yours, I'm sure we'll touch on here in a little bit. But um yeah, I mean the, those are all some some really, really strong candidates as well.
0: Yeah, I like like you said, it's like it's a very good observation yeah. to talk about like if you're gonna put somebody in, who are you taking out, like obviously Calvin Austin moving on to the NFL, we could take him off this list. Uh, Downs I think I think Downs is pretty safely I'd say probably put him down to like a second or third round guy depending on how much you believe in Drake, uh, Drake May uh, at this point I'd probably put in Braylon Allen. Lou Nichols definitely would be a first rounder for me at this point point. Um, and again Quinn Ewers again is kind of the interesting name here and again we'll talk about him a little bit more once we move on to the transfer portal news um, do you again I, I I guess before we move on into that Quinn Ewers, based on where he landed today, is he a first round pick for you or you think people should wait?
1: I think he's a border So uh, just so that we can fill, fill everybody in literally about 10 minutes before we hopped on this, this podcast, he, he landed at Texas. Um, I was it was kind of funny because we were messaging before this this show that I, I was pretty confident this morning as I was drinking my coffee I messaged you and said I think Quinn Ewers is going to make an announcement at some point today and I, and I thought that it was probably going to be Texas because the uh, the NIL uh, program and money he's he's going to make there is going to be absurd but um, I think Quinn Ewers is a borderline first round guy mm-hmm. um, you know I mean. You know, I mean, we're looking at some of the other quarterbacks here. Um, Armstrong, Caleb Williams um, with Levy. Uh, who else I got here? Mordecai, Bryce Young, Cunningham. So I don't put him in the same categories as Bryce Young, Cunningham, um, those types of guys. Um, but I do think you could make an argument just as you could with Caleb Williams that some of the changes that have happened, they're kind of borderline first round guys. Had he gone to Texas Tech? With and Kittley. and got with got with Zach Kittley. Forget about it. Um, not only do I think he's a first-round pick, I, I think you could make a really really strong case for him being the top overall pick.
0: I definitely would agree. And before we move on any further into that, we're going to go ahead and officially transfer over into transfer portal news for today. So we'll be right back, y'all. It's time
1: for... transfer portal
0: news. All right. Now we're officially into transfer portal news. And now we got Quinn Ewers, as we mentioned before, transferring from Ohio state to Texas. Uh, we've already talked about kind of the CFF impact of this. We, I'm I'm in agreement with you, Nate, where we're talking about a guy who I think just the, just the hype behind him, uh, under a Sarkeesian system on offense, I think, working with guys like Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, you're looking at a guy, you're looking at a guy just set up for success here. And this is the kind of quarterback like you have like five stars in some of these recruiting classes and then you have like guys that if you could give a six star, they would get it. Guys like Trevor Lawrence, guys like Bryce Young, guys like Justin Fields from the past couple of cycles. Like you have other five stars but like there's clearly like the cream of the crop and Quinn Ewers was that guy last year. Uh, when he uh, moved over, he, when he reclassified, uh, he became the number one overall player for the class of 2021. So, I mean, this is a guy that's really going to succeed really anywhere that he goes and looks like he's set up for success here. What, what are your thoughts on him transferring from Ohio State to Texas? Is there anything that you've heard maybe that we should know about um, things that you think will play into this?
1: But I do think that it's a good fit for him. Sark's proven to be um, obviously very successful with his quarterbacks, uh, most recently in Alabama. Um, he's going to come in. He's going to win that job immediately. Um, Hudson Card, Thompson, those guys aren't going to beat him out. So he's going to yeah. win that job immediately. I think this is uh, this is wheels up for Xavier Worthy. Um, he's now got – I mean, towards the end of the season, there were, there were games where he was getting 20 targets. I mean, so mm-hmm. – um, now he's got a guy that has all the arm talent you could possibly imagine throwing him the ball. So I, I do think that this is for the Texas offense as a whole, this pains me to say this because I am a, a sooner grad, but he, I mean, th- this could lead to them getting uh, a few more transfers in the portal. People might want to follow and be a part of kind of what they've got going on there with him oh, yeah. Xavier Worthy and, and Bijan. So I, I think that, I think it's going to work out pretty well for him. Um, obviously, there's a ton of unknowns. We we still haven't even seen this guy throw a pass. Nope. In college, he spent a year making a ton of money at Ohio State, but uh, he never he never threw a pass in a game. So um, it's going to be really fun to see. Um, you know how focused he's going to be. Uh, is he really looking to improve? Is he really looking to be a team guy uh, and make them better, or is he going to be more focused on you know making that? making that money and and trying to get as many uh, commercials or ads or whatever he can do to, to, to fill his bank account before he heads off to the NFL.
0: I mean, he really has become the poster child for the new NIL movement for college football players, like for better or for worse. Like it's great that he really is taking advantage of every opportunity in order to make as much money as he can while he is here in college. Uh, But it also, like you said, it does kind of call into question, like, is he a team player? Like, I know several Ohio State fans that are now extremely bitter because they feel like that they they and their school have been played more than anything else for a guy to just make money off of their name and their program before he moves on to where he, apparently he wanted to go the entire time, which was Texas because I believe it was down to Ohio State in Texas uh, before he committed to Ohio State. So,
1: but he's, he's had a weird path. So he uh, when Lincoln was still at OU. And before um, they signed Caleb Williams, um, he had been crystal balled to Oklahoma. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: They signed Caleb Williams. He then committed to Texas, decommitted uh, a few weeks later, and then Mm -hmm. within a few days after his decommitment, committed to Ohio State, and then the whole deal happened where he... Uh, skipped his, you know, reclassified, skipped his senior year, whatever. You know, I think the one thing that from a fantasy perspective that sticks out to me is just based off of kind of some of the vibes that we're getting from him. It would not surprise me. And I I think that dynasty owners need to kind of think about this as they're they're investing in him. It would not surprise me if he has a really, really nice year that he sits out the next year and then goes pro.
0: I, I would really, really, I, if that becomes a pattern in college football, where players just sit out their third years or second years as soon as they feel comfortable with where they'll be drafted in the NFL, I, I, I don't, there's a lot of things I've been willing to like accept and change over the past couple of years in college football, like NIL, like players opting out in bowl games and stuff like that. Like there's things I understand. I don't like the idea of players basically coming in and being one and done they're there for one year and then just sit for the next two years and they're still good to go they'll still be drafted by the nfl i'm not sure if that's something that just me as a college football fan am going to enjoy but also just as a a cff player like there's nothing there's not there's not going to be anything worse like projecting an entire offseason for a guy maybe to be a first round player and then all of a sudden as the season gets closer he's like oh you know, I'm hearing good things about the NFL. I'm just going to sit out this season all of a sudden. And then all like we already have, we're already at such a disadvantage in CFF where things are constantly being thrown at us, players, information just not being shared with the public that I just don't need additional stresses like that being added to everything else.
1: Yeah, I know I'm with you. I I hope it doesn't happen, but he's he's been very he's been very public that um, even during his recruitment out of high school, he said, this is going to be a, a business decision for me. Um, I'm, I'm looking to make business decisions. So uh, when you hear that, you definitely think that it's, it's, he could be the guy that, that, uh, that foregoes that third year, just to make sure he's ready for the NFL.
0: Yeah. And he's already been a trailblazer on so many different things. It would not be, be the least bit surprising to me if he was that first player to say like, listen, I'm going to sit out a third year. Y'all can't stop me. So even still, obviously the biggest transfer news story of the day. We spent a lot of time on that. We'll go ahead and move through. We got four more guys we need to talk about here. Some of These guys probably not going to take nearly as long as we just talked about Mr. Ewers there. But also one of the big names that has sparked a lot of, lot of interest in CFF circles has been Mr. Dylan Gabriel transferring out of UCF. Has not picked a landing zone yet. Many people thought that he would be transferring to Ole Miss with uh, Jeff Levy, still the offensive coordinator there. That has been thrown out the window with him moving to Oklahoma. And a lot of people have since then said maybe he now goes to Oklahoma if Caleb Williams goes out the door. But from what it sounds like, Caleb Williams is sticking put at Oklahoma, which leads to the recent crystal balling of Dylan Gabriel to UCLA. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Dylan Gabriel, and where would you like to see him go?
1: Yeah, this is probably going to be a great example of. We're gonna. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast a few days after we recorded, we're probably going to sound really foolish because probably he'll end up, he'll end up somewhere uh, that we haven't even considered. Uh, but yeah, he he uh, he he was recruited by Jeff Levy to uh, Central Florida. Uh, so all indications were he was going to go to Ole Miss. Um, the fact that he has not even visited Oklahoma, there's no talk uh, with any of the inside scoop with OU guys that, that he is considering Oklahoma leads me to believe. And the fact that Caleb Williams is, he's practicing right now. He's practicing for the bowl game. He recently posted on IG that he's, you know, um, there at OU and everything like that. So it sounds like um, he's moving on from, from the levy situation. And um UCLA has been they you know they've been courting for a little while. So we'll we'll see if that plays out. That gives me some indication that maybe Chip Kelly thinks that DTR is moving on. Uh, otherwise, what's the point? True. So yeah, I mean I think UCLA is a good fit. I think he can run that Chip Kelly RPO. It's it's not significantly different from Jeff Levy's style. So I think it's I think it's a fit. Um, I still think I think Ole Miss at at uh, you know with Lane Kiffin would also be a fit. So it's going to be interesting to see how this um, how this plays out for him.
0: I definitely think, uh, honestly, he might be an upgrade over DTR. Like uh, Dylan was always kind of impressed me in his passing ability when uh, he was there under Josh Heupel in that offense. Uh, maybe he just had some great receivers to throw to, but uh, DTR definitely, we thought he might take a step forward this year in his passing ability, just never really took off. Uh, at any point during this year. So I think Dylan Gabriel might be able to produce that rushing ability that we've come to love from DTR, but also kind of improve the passing game for UCLA just a little bit. So I would love him there. And then I've talked about it with uh, Mitch Hart a couple of times, and uh, he's adamant that if Dylan Gabriel goes to Old Miss, he's a top three quarterback for uh, CFF next year. What do, you, what do you think about that claim, Nate? Do you think that it, it, it's that mm. good of a fit?
1: Mm, no, that's... that's uh... That's a little bit uh, too, too rich for me. Um, I would not say top three. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks out there. Um, I I think it's a good fit Um, without Jeff Lebby though. I do think it's, there would be a learning curve for him. The system would be different in whoever uh, Lane brings around um, or if Lane then assumes the primary role uh, as the offensive coordinator there. I, I do think it would be really nice. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the Ole Miss uh, quarterback vacancy is the hottest of, of all the transfer portal, portal spots. I, I don't know why one of these quarterbacks hasn't just came in and taken their offer and run with it and just said, this is mine and staked their claim and put an end to that musical chair right there because I think it is a primary spot. I don't think it will be, uh, or at least I wouldn't invest top three quarterback in Dylan Gabriel there.
0: It could be that maybe Ole Miss is the one being picky. Maybe they're like maybe they are getting interest from some of these guys. And maybe they're they're kind of doing a little wait and see kind of deal, like slow playing some of these guys, like trying to see who else comes into the uh portal. Like we already got Cameron Ward uh coming up from Incarnate Word. There's word that he's interested in the old miss job. Probably one of these guys that they're slow playing a little bit, like listen, you would fit our offense a little bit better, but you know, quarterbacks are going to enter the portal like further down the road like this is really the first wave of transfers right here after the season uh after the bowl games there's going to be another wave of transfers and then after spring practice there's going to be a whole another wave of transfers maybe Ole Miss is just kind of biding their time knowing that their program right now they've shown they can produce a what's likely a first round quarterback in Matt Corral uh going forward so they know that they're going to be a hot commodity and so maybe they're just trying to feel their way out
1: yeah it's 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 a prime spot somebody i hope somebody takes it soon it's gonna be awesome
0: hopefully so uh we'll move on we got one more quarterback we want to talk about here and that's quarterback max johnson out of lsu entering the transfer portal xavier and i during the entire off season i was team miles brennan he was team max johnson we we're going back and forth uh, the entire season. It's like, no, Miles is going to win the job. No, Max is going to win the job. Well, Miles got knocked out because of injury. He's in the portal. And so I'm like, okay, Max Johnson's the quarterback of the future for LSU. Well, now he's in the portal as well. Uh, likely due to the fact that, you know, the coaching regimen change has happened. Ed Ogeron out, Brian Kelly in. Sounds like that either Max Johnson was not performing well enough to be can- guaranteed the starting job next year. And it looks like he's just, uh, taking himself into the transfer portal is betting on himself. What do you think, Nate?
1: Uh, I was Team Max Johnson before the season. Um, I I think both of these guys could end up benefiting if if they if they land in the right spot. Both the guys, meaning Max Johnson and Miles Brennan. Um, I don't really know where I don't have a good feel of where Max Johnson goes. I do know that South Carolina and Shane Beamer are pushing really, really hard to find a QB in the transfer portal. They were somebody where that was a program that offered him coming out. Um, I do think he stays P five because he's a package deal with his brother. Who's a okay. uh, pretty high level tight end recruit. that's an incoming freshman. He, he was a LSU commit who recently decommitted um, once Max Johnson entered, entered the transfer portal. So my guess is, as they go somewhere P five, um, it seems like South Carolina would be a pretty decent fit. Uh, they need a QB. They uh, they highlight tight ends pretty well there, so uh, not super exciting from a CFF standpoint. But um, but somewhere where he could probably get the start right away.
0: I mean, it's it's exciting if you're a Gamecock fan. Like obviously, that would probably be the yeah. best quarterback you've had in years. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But you're right again. I I, I think that's a great call, calling out his brother. Um, wherever he signs to is likely where Max Johnson ends up transferring to. I think that most people would kind of get all, on board with that. Um, I guess we can also take this time to talk about Miles Brennan a little bit. Like again, obviously he transferred earlier in the season after it became clear Max Johnson was going to keep the job. Uh, Miles couldn't stay healthy to save his life. Do you think Miles Brennan is also the kind of guy that stays P5, or do you think he kind of shifts over to G5?
1: See, I don't have a really good feel for him because he, he decommitted or not decommitted, but he entered the transfer portal, you know, a while ago. So he's kind of been putting out feelers there for a while. And it's really been really pretty quiet on Mm -hmm. kind of where he's landing. So I I could see him as that type that lands at like a high level G5, you know, Um, I'm just, Thinking off the top of my head, a couple, a couple of examples here, but like a, uh, like a Cincinnati, Ooh. um, or UCF, I mean, let's be honest, Dylan Gabriel moving on, Mikey Keene didn't exactly set the world on fire, you know, sure. something like that. So a high level, uh, Boise state, you yeah, just, you know, those types of, of programs that are consistently competing for, uh, decent bowl games, um, conference titles, that type of thing. I could see miles Brennan as a fit there, or he could go the route of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like the South Carolina or Arizona type, something like that.
0: I I think you're I I think that's a very very fair call. Uh, I think we're both kind of in the same boat. Where uh, it's interesting that both of these quarterbacks, we were all debating on who would get the starting job at LSU. Both kind of disappointed in their own ways as the season went on, and now they're both in the transfer portal. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Walker Howard, uh, five star coming in as a freshman, see if he can take that job just immediately next year. Uh, obviously uh brian kelly posted that picture with him or that video with him uh not too long ago which was uh good lord brian kelly uh you are you're providing entertainment all the best and worst ways right now but- brian
1: kelly's uh brian kelly's a hot hot mess right now and it's it's like uh it's like a car wreck you can't stop watching and he uh he continues to do some of the most hilarious things.
0: Hey man, it won't matter if he's winning uh 10 11 games at That's LSU exactly every single right. year. So <laughs>
1: he, he can have the worst Cajun accent possible and uh, as long as he's as long as he's winning uh you know or beating Alabama they don't they don't care at all.
0: Exactly. So uh we'll move on to our fourth transfer player here and we got Mr. Tyen Evans out of Tennessee. Uh, transferring to Louisville. I know a lot of people were very excited when Tyan Evans, who really was clearly the best running back Tennessee had to offer this year, uh, entered the transfer portal. A lot of people were looking for him to really go to a backfield where he could truly dominate. Um, I, I, I was kind of floating the idea of maybe him going to coastal Carolina. Uh, if he could really get there and just dominate that backfield, I thought that would have been incredible. But, uh, he's moving on to Louisville. Uh, to the collective question mark of everybody uh, that read this news. So, Nate, what are you kind of th- feel here?
1: Evans was actually one of those guys that um, coming out, I, I had tweeted about him and, and thought that there was a chance because the, the old staff that left before Hypel got there was really, really high on him. Mm -hmm. So I I thought there was a chance he he could end up being one of their um could end up being their top back and somebody that makes a real big difference uh for them this year. This transfer doesn't excite me at all. Mm -hmm. Um Louisville's they're they're one of those programs where if you want to um if you want to I mean they they historically have have ran out one guy and and had a workhorse and that type of thing, but with with Cooley and Hassan Hall and well,
0: Hassan Hall uh, in the transfer portal.
1: Oh Hassan Hall, okay. Even still, what's uh what's what's the other guy that's there? Mitchell. With, uh, Mitchell, yeah. So I mean, we're we're looking at a a, a three way competition. I like Cooley quite a bit, so mm-hmm. um, I think Evans can win this job and be productive. I don't know that he can. So it's, it's kind of an odd transfer because I know that he probably could have been the better back mm-hmm. at Tennessee. Um, but Heupel going to have a, uh, uh, you know, a committee approach, a split approach, no matter what. So oh, yeah. if he can win this job, he then becomes very valuable. Right. I don't know though. I don't know that we're going to know that until, you know, week two or three, that's the can- problem.
0: It kind of reminds me I'm I'll bring up another uh Tennessee running back here transfer running back but it kind of reminds me of Ty Chandler in this past year to North Carolina where a lot of people saw Ty Chandler go there and they're like wait a minute don't they have like backs already there like guys like Josh Henderson guys like um British Brooks who was like the lead back in their bowl game against Texas A&M a lot of people are like oh, all right are we sure that Ty Chandler could over take over this backfield as the main back? And he did this season and he was quite valuable. I, if, if I remember correctly, he finished as the, uh, he finished as the RB 25. So not like fantastic, but like still a very valuable piece to have uh week to week on your fantasy rosters. So I don't, am I, am I crazy here, Nate? Am I, am I uh, crazy for kind of feeling that vibe here?
1: No, I think that's fair. Um, I, I do think that North Carolina historically, uh, at least under Phil Longo, has more dynamic offense. But True. um Louisville has shown, like I said, that they can they can find a workhorse and and really run with that with that. Uh, I mean, Javion Hawkins was extremely productive for him. So it's just like I said, you're gonna go. You're you're likely, unless there's another rash of transfers out of Louisville, you're likely going to go into your tra- uh, into your draft, not knowing what the exact situation is going to be there.
0: True. We we would definitely need to see like very accurate reports coming out of spring camp and even really into fall camp. Like if unless something like that comes out and this says like Evans is clearly the guy, uh, pretty much I'd say most people are going to be avoiding him for the most part, or they'll take him late in the drafts as like an upside kind of guy. Right. So we'll hit up our last uh, transfer for tonight. We got Mr. Jaden Hazelwood transferring from your alma mater, Oklahoma, over to Arkansas. Uh, pretty much everybody saw this uh, come come onto their feed, and everybody was like, all right, we got our Traylon Burks replacement as of now. So what do you think about that, Nate?
1: I think it's a good fit for him. Um, it's, uh, you know, Ken O'Browse has shown that he can uh, really highlight a receiver. I think that they've got decent quarterback play there. It, you know, Everything aligns for him to be productive. If you're expecting Traylon Burks' type of numbers, productivity, you're going to be super disappointed. He just doesn't have that, uh, that level of, of ability or talent that Burks mm-hmm. has. But I do think it's a really, really good fit. Um, You know, I mean, I think he had something like around 38 to 40 catches for about 400 yards and five or six touchdowns for OU this year. I, you know, I I think that he he could outproduce those numbers I don't think he's going to double those numbers and be, you know, uh, an 80 catch thousand and 10 type wide receiver. That's just, I don't think that's in his, his realm of outcomes.
0: Yeah. It seems like ever since he uh, had the ACL injury in his freshman year, he just hasn't quite been the same wide receiver. Cause I really, if, if I remember correctly, he was a, like a top four player in his uh, recruiting class coming out of high school. Like he was easily one of the best players in the country. And then he got to Oklahoma, uh, tore his ACL, and just, like I said, it just really hasn't felt like he's been the same player ever since. But maybe all, all he needs is just a fresh start. Maybe he does come into Arkansas next year and is that dominant guy. Again, I'm not drafting him as such. But it also wouldn't surprise me, maybe, if he just kicks it up to the next year next year. Uh KJ Jefferson coming back next year, having another, having another year in the system. I imagine he'll be better uh next year. And again, if if Hazelwood is in that X receiver spot in this offense, regardless of whether or not he has the talent to replicate what Burks did, he's probably still going to get at least probably 70%, 80% of the volume that Burks got. And like you said, volume's is key when it comes to CFF. So I think he's still probably going to be a pretty good option here. Uh, as long as we hear good things coming out of camp, obviously.
1: Yeah, it's a good fit. It's a really good fit. I, he apparently is the... Uh was the player to be uh, determined later for the Mike Woods trade, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: guess so. (laughs) You're right, you're right. Uh, So uh, those are our big transfer names. Uh, And so now we're going to move on to the third segment of today. We're going to discuss some of these bowl games. Uh, Not really going to uh, call like predictions of who wins these games, but more talking about just like, how these teams got here? Do we like the matchup? Do we think it's gonna be an entertaining game? And just things that we're looking out for overall. And really, no other place to start than the two uh, the two playoff games. And first and foremost, we'll start with the number one team versus number four team: Alabama versus Cincinnati. Nate, I'll let you start off with this one. What are your thoughts on this game? And what are you looking for?
1: I am really, really fascinated by what's going to happen between. Um, you know Williams versus the incredible secondary that Cincinnati has. Uh, I mean, they've got they've got some lockdown dudes uh, as far as their quarterbacks, and obviously John Mechie's out for this game. So it's it's from a fantasy perspective, it's okay. Williams is a dominant wide receiver. Can he still dominate with those guys, or can those guys? I guess if they if they want to improve their draft capital, the secondary for Cincinnati. Can they contain him? But I'm also looking from a fantasy perspective. What's going to, who's going to step up a wide receiver for Alabama? in this situation? Oh, yeah. Because we're, we've been wondering, you know, ever since uh, uh, preseason, you know, okay, who, who's going to be that guy? Uh, there's a, obviously a handful of stud freshmen that came in. Are one of those guys going to step up? Is it going to be Treshawn Holden? You know, I mean, who's going to be the guy that, that, that starts to make plays for Alabama on what apparently is going to be the biggest stage?
0: I mean, I th- I think you're 100% right, and that has been really the question all year long. And we saw in the Auburn game, uh, Jameson Williams goes out, and when it's just down to Mechie as that clear rece- one receiver, it's easy for defenses to kind of lock in on this Bama offense and for them to, again, to to limit them, especially with uh, when there's only one really dynamic receiver for Bama. And it really didn't come down until uh, Ja'Cory Brooks started making plays for Bama during that final drive and eventually scoring the final touchdown when Bama really looked like Bama again, all of a sudden on that final drive. And I think, I think Brooks is the name to kind of look for here. He's definitely become my favorite out of the freshman receivers for Bama this year. Uh, but obviously there's still guys to look forward to like a Hall, Jojo Earl, um, Christian Leary, all three, all three of those guys are obviously names to look out for here. But yeah, like you said, like um, Georgia in as, as uh, future as a performance they had against Bama. Uh, once uh, John Mechie was knocked out of that game, all of a sudden you did see kind of Bama's offense slow down just a little bit more when Georgia could key in on really just one dynamic receiver for them to worry about from them, uh, from them going forward. So Cincinnati does have the secondary to, I think, accomplish that. So the player I'm really looking forward to here on Bama side, Brian Robinson coming back healthy into this game uh, hopefully he's had some time to heal up and I think he's going to be the guy that Bama is going to need to uh, put on their shoulders. Cause as great as the Cincinnati's defense has been uh, their run game has really been their kind of leak point when it comes to it. So I think Brian Robinson and Trey Sanders are going to be the two guys really to look out for here. Uh, what do you think about the Cincinnati side of things? Anybody you're really looking forward to on the offense there?
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, uh, Jerome Ford plays against his old team. Uh, we, we, we forget, but it's been a few years, but he was actually an Alabama, uh, player. Uh, he, he, he signed with them and and was there for, I don't know, a year or two before he moved on to Cincinnati. So really interested to see he's been dominant this year, really interested to see if he can, um, uh, work in space and be able to make a few plays and, uh, uh, be able to be a stud on that, uh, on that type of, uh, scene.
0: No, absolutely, and I think uh, uh, Desmond Ritter. I mean, obviously, he's going to be another name to watch for here. This is a guy that I think is among the um, among the Devi players, among the uh, Rhodes really NFL fantasy players, and everything. Looking to this draft this next year is very divisive player. I know some people who think he's a first round lock. I know some people who think that he should be nowhere near that. And I think this is the game to prove that one way or another. Going up against Bama, one of the like, regardless of how you feel about their defense overall. More than anything, their defense is not up to standard with where we know Bama's defense normally is, but they're still a pretty freaking good defense, and they got a lot of playmakers on that defense uh, that if Desmond Ritter does play in the NFL, is likely going to be playing against in the NFL in the future. So I think this is a big, big moment for him as well, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll hit up our second uh, playoff game here. We got Michigan, we got Georgia, uh, I'll start off with this one because uh, you guys know why. I'm a Georgia fan. I uh, just graduated from Georgia, still here at Georgia, uh, getting my master's degree. And uh, good God almighty, it's good to be back in the playoffs. since the first time we've been he- back here since 2017. Uh, not really the way we wanted to enter into the playoffs. Uh, definitely was a bit of a stinger to go 12-0 in the regular season, only to lose to our nemesis once again in the biggest of stages, which is a very big shame. But it gives people an opportunity to kind of pick themselves back up by the bootstraps. And Georgia's got to get prepared for this game because if they want that rematch with Bama, if Bama even wins their game against Cincinnati, uh, they got to get through Michigan here. And I think this is like Bama-Cincinnati, I think, is likely the higher scoring game out of the two playoff games. And this is one that's going to be the one that people are looking at and saying, this one could easily end with both teams under 20 points if they let them. Uh, so, Nate, what do you think in this game? What are you looking for?
1: Um, so I, I think you'll be happy to hear that I I think Georgia is actually going to uh, not only win this game, but I, I think that they're probably going to win it comfortably um, as far as a, uh, a playoff matchup can go. I, I think that what what Michigan excels at as far as like the power run really – plays into what Georgia can do as far as a Mm -hmm. defense. Um, Their biggest vulnerabilities in the secondary. I don't know that Cade McNamara is going to be able to exploit that. Um, So I I think it's, it's, it's kind of best on best here. What Michigan likes to do, Georgia likes to be able to stop and, and vice versa. So I'm really more than anything, I guess I'm, I'm just interested what's what's going to what's going to happen with the quarterback situation in Georgia is you know is Stetson Bennett going to be able to take the next up because he's going to get pressure all night no matter mm-hmm. what i know um you know I mean, Aiden Hudson's going to be back there just giving him fits so can if if Georgia gets up early then that's probably going to allow him you know a little bit better opportunity to kind of settle in and not have to be the guy but Georgia has a little bit of an issue in my problem, a little bit of an issue in my opinion. If Michigan finds a way to kind of take that lead early and it forces Stetson Bennett's hand to go out there and make plays, I wanted to see it before the Bama game. Uh, He disappointed, (laughs) sorry, but he uh, he did. Um, And so, but but I do think this is a situation where Georgia can play um, from the lead and and have that game script to where they don't put the quarterback situation at risk.
0: I think it's fair, and uh, based on what I've heard, as of now, there's not a plan to shift the quarterback, uh, but it, a lot of it has to do with the reason, like you were saying, Aiden Hutchison, there's going to be pressure on and Bennett, uh, so who would you rather have back there? The guy who can move around in the pocket, with Setson Bennett, even if he's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, or would you rather have JT Daniels, who, let's be honest, one of his biggest weaknesses is the fact that he can't move around in that pocket, and he is the kind of guy that will take a lot of those unnecessary sacks if you uh, leave him back there a little bit too long. Um, I think when it comes to this game, I think you're right. On paper, Georgia has the advantage here. Uh, Georgia's offense, really, when they can throw out of luxury, taking a line here from Josh Pay, because I think he describes it perfectly, when they can throw out of luxury... Versus throw out of necessity. Georgia's offense is really one of the most efficient in the country. When they're not forced into a single way to run their offense. When they can run when they want to. When they can pass when they want to. They're one of the most deadly offenses in the country. But when you force them into one dimension. It can get bad for them very quickly. And this doesn't seem like the kind of game. Where Michigan could ever really get a lead on Georgia. To where they have to play a way they don't want to play. And that's why I think. Like you said. I think Georgia can easily. Um. Take care of business here and then hopefully get their rematch against bama in the national championship or they could play against cincinnati in which case as a georgia fan i'll be feeling a whole lot better uh <laughs> anyway move on to some more of these new Year's six games uh coming back down here to georgia uh the chick-fil-a peach bowl which is like the most georgia bowl i've ever seen in my entire life uh only makes sense that there's no georgia teams in this we got pittsburgh versus michigan state Nate, what are you looking forward to in this game, and what do you think?
1: Well, I think it all comes down to is what's the situation with Pitt and Kenny Pickett with their OC moving on. Um, it, I guess it sounds like at this point I haven't heard any indications that he's not playing, and, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of bowl prep, so I assume mm-hmm. he's been practicing. So I think at this point we have to assume he's playing. Um, this is going to be one of the more entertaining New Year's, New Year's Six Bowls. Um, Neither one of these teams defend the pass all that well. Both of them nope. can pass it very fairly well. So Pitt passes it one of the best in the country. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if you're in the middle of a, a CFF uh, bowl draft and you, you're a believer Kenny Pickett's going to play, I mean, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, I mean, those are – I mean, you're talking about high, high-end draft picks right there given oh, yeah. the fact that Michigan State – Uh, secondary has has failed to cover anybody. I
0: I, I, I believe they're the worst in the country in terms of yards allowed.
1: They are are atrocious. So um, I think the interesting matchup is going to be how successful uh, Kenneth Walker can be against um, a pretty decent pit run defense. I mean, Nardisi loves to be able to stop the run. He leaves his corners on islands in, in an effort to stop the run. So, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how successful he can be. I think this ends up being, if all players play, I think this ends up being a little bit of a shootout. Um, despite the fact that Mark Whipple's moved on to Nebraska, it'll be really interesting to see how that pit offense looks though, without him.
0: Have, Have they announced who's the new OC at Pittsburgh? Uh, they have not
1: they have not uh i know that a lot of uh indications are that or at least from pit fans the wide receivers coach is very well thought of okay uh and they would like to see him kind of elevate to that role um so we'll see if that's if that's the direction the the nard dog goes
0: i mean i like you said it's very, the obvious like matchup you'd want to exploit either in like a bowl league or if you're just really doing like prize picks and just prop picks and stuff like that. Kenny Pickett passing against this abysmal Michigan State. Uh passing defense is obviously the one to exploit. Um and again like it it'll be interesting to see like obviously Kenneth Walker's the big name for Michigan State, but if they want to move the ball, if they get put into a shootout, it'll be put on Peyton Thorne's shoulders. Um and if you you got uh who's supposedly his uh, best friend, Jaden Reed. Um, I think he'll be another guy to watch here. Uh, I, f- I forget. Have we gotten word on Naylor? Uh, is, when is he supposed to come back? I forget off the top of my head.
1: I have not heard. Um, it sounded like, he, just based off what I was reading from the beat writers, that he was fairly close towards the okay. end of the season. So my guess would be that he's going to be good to go, but you just you don't know.
0: Well, if they, if they have both of those guys, I feel a little bit better about Michigan State's passing opportunities in this game. And I think um, – That'll make this game a little bit more interesting. But like you said, obviously, this really is, if you're going to watch this game, you're going to watch it for a lot of these big-time NFL draft prospects for this year, Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker, guys like that. Um, should be a very interesting one. I, am, I, If I wasn't going down to Miami uh, around New Year's, uh, this I probably would have tried to get tickets for this game because this one just seemed like it would have been a fun one to just go to and have no real rooting interest and just watch a couple of great players play. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll move on to our next, I believe fourth, fourth New Year's Six game here. And we got Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Um, Notre Dame right outside the cusp of the playoffs. Didn't really ever seem like that, like with the way things played out that um, they were going to get in. Um, Oklahoma State, obviously another team right there on the cusp of the playoffs right before championship weekend and literally be, literally came inches short of making the playoffs. Probably still wouldn't have made the playoffs with Georgia losing to Bama. Probably still would have been on the outside looking in there. Uh, so two teams very, very close to the playoffs in their own regard. Uh, Notre Dame losing Brian Kelly. Obviously, it was a big stinger. Marcus Freeman, now the head coach there. Oklahoma state losing their uh, longtime defensive coordinator to Ohio state. So the guy that really has kind of saved their season on multiple fronts this year, uh, now gone for them. What do you think about this game? Nate, who are you looking at? What are you looking for?
1: A few things. Uh, one, I did not realize until you put this graphic up that PlayStation sponsors this bowl. So that's kind of funny. <laughs> I, had, I had no idea. Um, everything we just said about Pitt in Michigan state, um, Uh, you can go ahead and throw out the window for this game because it's uh, basically the polar opposite. Uh, Both these teams do play really good defense. Um, Oklahoma state has been really good uh, at at both against the pass and the run. Um, I think I read, am am I right? Um, Williams is not playing for Notre Dame, right? He is, he is announced. He's going. Yeah. No, yeah. Tyron Williams is gone. Yeah. So I think, from a fantasy perspective, that's the thing that I'm most interested in is, okay, what type of of rotation are we looking at um, as far as the running backs there at Notre Dame? I'm I'm of the I'm of the belief that I think that Logan Diggs is the guy that gets most of the carries. Um, Tyree's been a little banged up. Uh and I I he's just kind of been the one that's kind of taken over as of you know the last the last month or two of the season. So but it'll be really interesting to see how that situation plays out. But I do think this is a low-scoring game. I don't trust anything that Spencer Sanders does with the football because it usually results in a in in a turnover. (laughs) So I, I would probably give a little bit of an advantage here to Notre Dame, but um obviously they're the ones well i mean oklahoma i would say notre dame's the one that's had a lot of changes go on between the coaching staff and their players that are declaring pro whatnot but at the same time oklahoma state just lost their defensive coordinator to ohio state so um so there's a little bit of change for them as well but i I think it's lower scoring yeah
0: I'm, i'm fully with you the rotation of running back from notre dame is definitely the thing i'll be looking at the most for this game uh jalen warren being back for oklahoma state i think is going to help them out a ton in this game we saw that run game for oklahoma state against baylor in the big 12 championship without jalen warren was one of the saddest things i've watched in the last couple of months i'm not gonna lie uh they really put that game on spencer Sanders' shoulders and we also have that ended up i think there's like what three interceptions maybe four off the top of my head um so that's definitely something I'll be looking out for. If Jalen Warren comes back, if Jalen Warren comes back and announces he's coming back for next year, I think he's going to be another guy that we need to be talking about as uh, definitely like a top. I say one, two, or not, not. I want to say first round, but probably like round two or three, kind of running back. I think uh, if he really has solidified that job. Oh, we got. Go. I,
1: I think he's out of eligibility. This okay. is. I think he he was. Uh, yeah, I think he was a fifth year a fifth-year guy. Well, then over. I
0: stand corrected. Uh, <clears throat> Jill Warren, you served us well. Good luck, sir. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: also, one more thing. You you mentioned the PlayStation. Uh, yeah, uh, whichever team wins this game, the entire team, uh, everybody gets a free PlayStation, uh, PS5. Good for them. So, like, fun, fun stuff for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, let's move on to the next uh, New Year's game here, and we got probably the most story, the most tradition behind it, we got Big Ten versus Pac-12, Ohio State, uh, runner-up in the Big Ten or Big Ten West with Michigan going off to the playoffs. I'm sure they love hearing that. Uh, are compensated with a appearance with the Rose Bowl against first Rose Bowl um, participants or first time Rose Bowl participants, Utah. Utah has had quite the storied season. Started off very, very rough for them. I think they started off one and two, losing to San Diego State, losing to another team that they really should just not have lost to, and then just ripped off win after win after win to close out the season. Ended up as a top-ranked Pac-12 team, winning the Pac-12, destroying Oregon twice. They've had quite the season. Ohio State at one point looked almost unstoppable on offense until... Michigan was just able to have the secondary necessary in order to slow Ohio State down just enough. Uh and then exploited the fact that Ohio State's run defense really just hasn't been all it's cracked up to be throughout the season. Um and I guess I'll just transition to my thoughts on this game. The the biggest matchup I'd be looking for is Tavian Thompson against that Ohio State rushing defense. Uh pretty much every time Ohio State's gone up like a gone up against a uh stud running back this year Mohamed Ibrahim CJ Verdell uh, Hassan Haskins really the three names that come to mind they've been they've struggled big time in those games two of those games they've lost and you got Tavian Thompson coming into this game um, looking as the number one back for the Utes going forward I think that's going to be the matchup I'm looking forward to the most what do you think Nate what are you looking for here Uh, Nate you are muted
1: I, I totally agree with you. I think that uh, Tavian uh, Thomas is going to be the uh, the thing that I'm looking the most for. The Utah, uh, not Utah, the Ohio State defense has significantly improved uh, as far as their rush defense over uh, over the course of the season. So it's going to be really fun to see um, him and how he performs against uh, a high level defense as far as setting the tone for his CFF value moving forward, does he enter the draft? Does he come back? If he comes back, back. I do too. I do too. I think, I think he's been fantastic. And, and uh, just like we talked about with Braylon Allen, um, Utah is also uh, one of those. In fact, their offensive coordinator used to be at Wisconsin uh, back in the Monty ball and and those types Mm -hmm. of days. But, um, it's it's one of those systems that produces perennial uh big time big time running backs in the in the cff world so i do hope he returns uh if he doesn't return that then becomes a prime transfer uh spot oh, yes. uh because tj pledger has already announced he's going pro so um, and that went weird that was weird yeah i i actually stashed him in a few deep dynasties thinking okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna Kind of cover my butt here. If uh, if Tavian goes pro, I'm gonna have uh, TJ Pleasure uh, waiting uh, in the wings. But um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. That's gonna be a really interesting situation. I'm I'm kind of curious how how State offense responds. They've got a lot of guys that are that are looking to go pro between Wilson and Alave and and and, and all that. Are they how hyped are they really gonna be for this game? Of the type of program that plays for a national championship or bust mm-hmm. so in their eyes this could be considered a bust season so do they do they show up to this bowl game or do they just kind of go through the motions utah's not the type of team you just want to go through the motions against oh, no. they're going to be well coached and they'll 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 come out and uh and really kind of punch you in the face so but i, I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games despite it being almost a, a touchdown spread
0: I think it's going to be a very emotional game, especially if you're a Utah fan. Because again, you follow them throughout the season. That number 22 has really meant something a lot for Utah throughout the season. I think for them to cap off how the season has gone with a Pac-12 championship and then a Rose Bowl appearance and a win, I think would play a lot for that program. And then like you said with Ohio State, I think the interesting thing to watch is just who plays in this game. Uh, Because you got guys like Chris Olave, you got guys like Wilson. Like, do they play? Uh, Are we going to get a look at uh, how Ohio State looks next year. Uh, is Jackson Smith and Jigba become the clear num- wide receiver number one? Or are we looking at uh, maybe guys like Emeka Ebuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe even maybe a Julian Fleming sighting uh, might be possible here. Um, I think they will be interesting to watch to see who might step up for Ohio State going into next year. So let's set up our last uh, New Year's Six game. Uh, we got the uh, Big 12 versus the SEC in the All-State Sugar Bowl. We got Big 12 champion Baylor versus third? I guess, Yeah, I guess third place uh, finisher in the SEC with both Alabama and Georgia going off to the playoff. Uh, Baylor. We got Ole Miss in this game as well. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on this game? What are you looking
1: for? Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting game to watch. It's clearly a clash of, of styles. Baylor is um, defensive-based run heavy kind of punch in the mouth you know kind of the Utah of the big 12 so to speak with Dave Aranda running the show over there um and and obviously Ole Miss gonna be fun to see how they look without Jeff Mm Levy um calling the plays obviously Kiffin's still around so I have no doubts that they will be just fine on offense but um there will be an adjustment for them um I think there are wide receivers should they all play. I don't, you know, it's hard to tell who's for sure going to be playing in these bowl games at this point, but if, if there are three top wide receivers play, then it's probably the healthiest they've been since week one. It's probably the healthiest Matt Corral has been since early in the season because he's taken a beating this year. So um, I think it will be really fun to see um, just kind of how Ole Miss looks with, uh, with everybody looking a little bit more, a little bit more healthy.
0: I mean, I agree with you 100%. Um, I think, uh, God, what, what was his name that played in the Big 12 championship? I, f- I forget his name off the top of my head. The quarterback,
1: oh, um, uh, Shapen, Blake Shapen,
0: yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see if uh, he plays in this game or if Baylor moves back to uh, Jerry Bohannon. Uh, Because if they move back to Jerry Bohannon, I wouldn't be surprised if Shapen maybe then takes a look maybe at the transfer portal. He might be a guy that we might want to keep an eye on going forward because he played extremely well against that Oklahoma State defense uh, in that game, played with a lot of poise. Uh, It couldn't quite get things going in the second half, which is why Oklahoma State almost was able to come back and win that game. But uh, the quarterback position at Baylor, I think, is going to be something I'll be keeping an eye on here. Um, And then, like you said, with Ole Miss, it would be very, very nice to see Like, we saw that Ole Miss offense at the beginning of the season against Louisville, against Tulane, and stuff like that. Again, one of those offenses that just looked borderline unstoppable, kind of like an Ohio State was looking near the uh, mid-to-late portions of the season. And then injury after injury after injury just started occurring. Uh, Matt Corral got beat up in that Tennessee game where I think they ran him like 30 times. And so really things just haven't really looked the same since then and i i would again i would love to see this old miss offense just have kind of one last hurrah before they head out
1: i, I do believe uh, a came out and said that uh bohannon is going to be good to go for this game and he okay. will start so I, I i will say that if he doesn't play well or if Shapin has to come in kind of save the day what one of those type of situations i think it's i think it's a full-blown quarterback competition in the uh Could in be. the spring at baylor uh if he if 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 Bohannon comes in, looks like he has the entire season and, and plays really well, then I think it's, it's definitely his job moving forward.
0: No, I think that's shaping.
1: Shapen's been good, man. I would say he, he
0: played very well in that big 12 championship, a lot better than I was. Like, literally. I was joking with some of my friends. I would, uh, when, I, when I heard that news, I'm just like, well, I guess Oklahoma state's going to the playoffs. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> I was very, very yeah. wrong. So those are the big, uh, those are the new year six games. Again, just Basic previews, just kind of talking about how the teams got here, guys we're looking at for those games. Uh, Next six games, we got six more games. We're going to go through those a lot more quickly. Uh, And basically what's going to happen here, Nate has three uh, bowl games that he has lined up here. And I'm just going to let him talk. uh, And he's going to explain to you guys the three uh, bowl games that he is looking forward to the most outside of the New Year's Six. Whether that be just because of the narrative behind the game, players playing in the game, just the matchup between two teams. We'll figure it out, but Nate, we'll go ahead and start with your first one. And you just go.
1: Very good. So, um, yeah, I've listed here, Purdue, Tennessee. I'll, I'll, I'll be quick as I'm running through these from a fantasy perspective. I'm, I'm stoked about this game. I mean, these are obviously two of the, the more, um, high powered offenses that we'll we'll see as far as the bowl games are concerned. Um, I, I want to see if if Milton Wright can take that next step as as the guy moving forward. Um, Tennessee, I still think it's going to be a running back by committee next year, but can Small make a little bit of some headway in, in being the, the leader of the pack there? Uh, I think it's going to be a really, uh, really entertaining game to watch because these two teams can really, uh, you know, put up some points. All right. Uh, next, we'll talk about is the uh, the Liberty Bowl here with uh, Mississippi State and Texas Tech. I like to refer to this as the Mike Leach Bowl. Uh, he's going up against his old team. Um, Leach is the type that uh, if he can if he can twist the knife, he will do it every opportunity that he has. Uh, it's going to be really entertaining to see just kind of what the uh, the media buildup is uh, to this game. Two teams that are obviously scoring uh, a bunch of points. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see with the the quarterback situation, this is an opportunity for, um, for them to kind of figure out Texas tech. Okay. Can, can I, uh, you know, put put on a little bit of show in front of Kitley here. This is kind of like my, my opportunity to show that, um, that, that I'm the guy moving forward for next year. I still think there's a chance that tech brings in a, uh, a transfer, uh, to compete their quarterback, um, Based off some of my dynasty dynasty shares, I'm hoping that Sawyer Robertson, uh, not Sawyer Robertson, I hope Sawyer Robertson from Mississippi State also has a chance. But Baron Morton for for te- uh, Texas Tech, oh yeah, um, competes next year uh, for that position. But uh, either way, I think that it's going to be a really high score and fun fantasy type game. Absolutely. And then the last one I'll talk about is the uh, uh, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl here, Wake Forest and Texas A and M. I uh this is this is a clash of two totally different uh styles here AM being uh kind of a juggernaut on defense this year wake forest uh, obviously um, a perennial uh fun college fantasy football team to invest in they run 82 83 plays a game every year they if you if you average out the last 3 years wake forest has run the most plays uh, of any team in in football so Uh, it's going to be really fun to see uh, how they compete against one of the SEC's better defenses. Uh, And if Sam Hartman does put on a show, does this mean this is the last we see of him or are we going to see him back next year uh, throw into, uh, to AT Perry?
0: Yeah. Again, I, I, I agree with you. All three of those games are very, very interesting. And I honestly completely forgot about the Mike Leach bowl. Uh, there, the Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State versus Texas Tech. That's that's just a fun one. I hope I hope that whoever runs that game, I think it's ESPN runs all of these games, but they really need to play up that angle. They really need to just have fun with that. Get oh, Mike hey, well. Leach in an interview every every uh chance that they get. Like that's the thing. A lot of these bowls need to have personalities, and I really love when they can get a matchup like that with Mississippi versus Tech, Mississippi State versus Texas Tech, where there's something really beyond just a game to play for. Uh, and you'll see in a common thread with my three games I like bowls where we can get teams that are usually like in the conversation for like conference championships and everything I like when we get matchups we don't see a lot uh playing against each other first one up here I got Clemson versus Iowa State two teams that I think have underperformed clearly compared to where people were talking about early in the season Clemson uh three losses I think a lot of people if you would have guessed before the season. Would never have imagined them getting more than two losses in the season. They're down to three. Iowa State really just could never really get it going like they could in previous years. Might struggle at the beginning. Uh, couldn't really get it going later in this year. But again, I uh, got two teams. One usually competes for an ACC championship, one has been competing for the Big 12 championship for the past couple of years. I, lo- I want to see these two teams clash. I want to see. Uh, I really just kind of want to see how. Uh, things go with this one again it's just a fun one for me uh the gasparilla bowl is the next one i really want to talk about that's ucf versus florida these are the kind of matchups that i love the battle for florida this is what bowl games need to be doing more they need to find opportunities to get teams into these games that really and truly bring in an extra layer to it this is a quote-unquote battle for the best team in florida like UCF and Florida we've been wanting this kind of match for the past couple of years because last couple of years these teams have been very very good but now here they are playing in Florida I'm looking forward to this game a lot especially from what it sounds like UCF has absolutely packed the stadium like this should be a near home crowd advantage for UCF for this game I think this will be a fun one uh there's not a ton of fantasy i'm really looking forward to in here again i just like good well thought out matchups in these bowl games and then the last one i have here again i've talked about this i like seeing um i like seeing teams that you would just never really think about matching up against each other penn state versus arkansas arkansas has been struggling mightily past couple of years they've really hit it off with coach sam Pittman. uh gotten to um I, I forget what place they finished in the sec west but even so like i think this is like the first eight win season in years uh penn state uh definitely disappointing a little bit uh drop some games that they really shouldn't have to teams like illinois but here they are uh playing against arkansas one of the hottest teams of the sec i think that'll definitely be a fun one and again not a ton of fantasy really here unless um I would like to see what Arkansas is going to be doing with their running back position. I would love to see maybe that not be so by committee going forward. Uh, but you know so these are just fun matchups that I think are going to be fun going forward. So those are my three. Uh, Nate, did you want to touch on any of those or are you good to go?
1: I think all of those are going to be really entertaining games. Um, most of yours are a little bit more defensive oriented than, than some of mine, but but uh, are, are clearly some. Power programs that missed out on uh, some of the New Year's New Year's Six bowls, so it'll be really interesting to see how they perform against each other.
0: Yeah, again, like bowl season's right around the corner, and when when these games get closer, uh, we'll be breaking down them down a little bit more, really kind of deep diving into what players really to look for uh, as the games get closer. I'd love to give you guys a lot of that information now, but as we've kind of hinted at and touched on throughout the show. So much we just don't know because of opt-outs and stuff like that. Like, I'd love to have just be releasing, like, player rankings for bowl games and stuff like that. But again, we just don't know who's playing and who's not. And we don't want to, like, recommend somebody who the next day we find out is just not even playing in the game. Um, but even still, that's our show for today, y'all. Uh, Nate, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast to finally meet you. Uh, talk to you a lot on Twitter, but it's finally great to put a name to a face. And I think you brought on a ton of great analysis, a lot of good insight for people tonight. Uh, is there anything you want to say before uh, we get out of here?
1: Um, no, I think, we, I think we covered most of it. Uh, I, I, I quickly double checked just to make sure that uh, what I said about Jalen Warren being out of eligibility was correct. And, and that is correct. I'm starting okay. to kind of question myself, uh, but yeah, he is out of eligibility. Uh but no man, that that I think that covers it from, from uh you know 2022 and, and a bowl game standpoint. So it's absolutely a pleasure to uh to be on with you, Jared, and and uh um looking forward to uh to, to the bowl games and everything. So uh really enjoyed it, man.
0: Yeah, again, Nate, it's been it's been an honor having you on here. And again, if y'all ha- if y'all again for some reason, if you are following me, but you haven't started following Nate on twitter he is at cffnate and you need to double check yourselves because if i don't know why you would ever follow (laughs) me but not be following nate uh dude's been doing this a lot longer than me and he has some great insight for you guys uh speaking of following if you're watching this on youtube as always make sure that you hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell leave those comments down below whether you are talking about what your favorite bowl game is coming up or if you are telling me jared you really need to shave a little bit more your beard's looking a little scratchy. I will take all of it, y'all. I love talking to you guys. Speaking of talking to you guys, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. You can at me on Twitter or you can just um, DM me. My DMs are always pretty open. I do my best to respond to you guys in a quick and timely manner. And then if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you're following us wherever you're listening to, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, I always love seeing those five-star reviews. You guys are awesome. Y'all starting to turn the page towards cff 2022 getting through this bowl season we got a lot of fun stuff for you guys coming up and i can't wait to do it see y'all have a blessed day